Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Ladd. No, oh, he got the house. No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. I predicted it. What are you talking about? No, you did. Okay. When did I predict the Chiefs to lose in the playoffs? I'm not talking about the playoffs. I'm talking about just like the regular season, essentially. There was there was a point in the regular season where you were like, ah, it's a down year, it's a rebuilding year. You know, let's look let's look ahead to 2024. I've never said that. <laughs> so you knew the whole time the Chiefs I, would be here? I was optimistic, yeah. I figured that they could I always said they had to clean some stuff up. Like it wasn't like they were losing these games in blowout fashion or they just didn't belong on the same field. It was an MVS drop against the Eagles. It was a no call on MVS against the Packers. It was Kadarius Tony offsides against Buffalo. Like I always said, but but you were like, Well, they are who they are. And I just I felt like they could still flip the switch because they've been here before. So I was never just—I never wrote off the season. You're trying to put your thoughts onto me, like don't <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself, Aaron. Lad, speak for yourself. Uh, it's not called that show anymore. I think they—I think they changed the name. I don't think yeah, it's, it's just called, called that anymore. It's just called speak. Ah, uh, thank you. The chat is already actively on my side. Gonzi on X says, "Let's be honest. Nobody predicted this." LOL. I was on six ten today with uh, Carrington on the drive. You can check me Tuesdays at two thirty. I, I, we're in the agreement that this is probably the most improbable Chiefs run of the Mahomes era. Oh, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, first of all, you, the first time they played on the road, and you didn't have a bye, you had to put, you had to win three games and two of them on the road against arguably the second and third best quarterbacks in the league, arguably, and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's. You guys weren't breaking news when you said that on 610 today. You in a spicy mood today. Is everything okay? Are you, are you all right? No, I'm great. I'm the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm amazing. <laughs> you, a, you you seem to be a little you seem to be a little spicy today. You know, you came in, you got your ring light at a certain, you finally got a haircut. You know, you, you seem a little spicy today. I mean, I'm just, you know. I've been on. Post, I've been, you've been, been stirring the pot crazy. How is, is your arm okay? Because you, oh, this is all you've been doing on social media. Just you see all the. You see the, You see that I'm. I'm old takes exposed. You see that? You got old takes exposed again? No, no, no. I'm pulling out old takes from other people. Uh, I, I am old takes exposed. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of receipts to pull out over the last forty eight hours. Oh my goodness. What what an episode it is. Episode 75. 75 episodes of Chiefs Coast to Coast with Mark Gunnels, Aaron Ladd, and Steven Serta behind the board. And the Kansas City Chiefs are once again headed back to the Super Bowl. We'll recap the win in Baltimore. I was on the ground there. I was on the field after the game. No, I did not run into Pat Sr. But Isaiah Pacheco did run into me. We'll talk about that. <laughs> We'll talk about the uh, things that happened off the field. We'll talk about the pregame stuff. What I mean, there's just so much to break down from this game. Serta and I were talking about it before you hopped on. So we're going to spend a lot of time in Baltimore. We got the extra week. I'm headed down to Vegas on Saturday. So we're going to save that recap for then or that preview for then. This is going to be a lot of recap. And we'll just talk about a lot of the stuff that happened around the AFC title game. We'll take your questions. No voicemails, but uh, we'll just have some fun recapping that game. And also heading down to Vegas 
uh, in our game league segment. Mark Gunnels, no picks this week, I don't think. But I mean, man, do you want to? It feels like you've been so hot recently. It's like you can't you can't take a week off, man. You you might lose your mojo. What what is there to, to make plays on this week? The Pro Bowl? <laughs> you can you can see how many uh how many catches Stephon Diggs make, how many balls he's able to catch in his hands or punt returns or something like that. Hey yo, that was a little, that was a little yeah, that was a hey yo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna let you slide on that one. <laughs> a little, uh, yeah, there's no. I mean, you're not gonna. You don't have Pro Bowl plays. No, I do not have any Pro Bowl plays. <laughs> What's my record? What's my? I really, I really don't know my record. We'll talk about that later in the show oh, okay. when we get down okay. to our Vegas. Okay. Look at the te- look at the tease. You've gotten close to five hundred. I mean, five hundred is not only in sight. You could end the year at five hundred. That's that that's the tease right there for on Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Without you all, am the listeners? Did I break up a little bit there? or Am I still rolling? Marcus you're, frozen you're, for me. You're rolling. Can you hear me? Uh, can't have y'all without the audience, the fam, the listeners. Yeah, we got you, Mark. 816-514-1267 is our voicemail line. Also on X, also on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you appreciate y'all tapping in with us. Remember to leave those reviews in the podcast section. Let's get into our Chiefs recap. Mahomes avoids. He's a magician. Chiefs recap. Is it playing? Uh, I can see Aaron, but I don't think he can see us. So I can see y'all. I can hear y'all. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we got you. We yeah. Hear. All right. It's Let's just. Uh, I think we're okay now. All right. I hate that this is happening on, on episode <laughs> 75, but let's get into it. Uh, AFC Championship game. Chiefs win 17-10 over the Baltimore Ravens. I think one of the big points for this one, Mark, is it felt like KC played their game and forced Baltimore out of what they like to do. Only 82 total rushing yards, 81 total rushing excused in this one. And they were one of the most dynamic rushing offenses on the year. Felt like KC had been there before. They won the emotional edge. They won the mental game. It didn't look pretty at all times. Of course, they got shut out in the second half. Uh, but those first two drives coming out and scoring the touchdowns, to me, it was Kansas City playing their game and, and Baltimore not, uh, maybe not being ready for the moment. Yeah, I think those first couple of drives for the Chiefs really made Baltimore panic. Uh, that first drive, what, it was like nine minutes or something crazy like that. And normally Baltimore is a team that has a time possession, controls the ball, doesn't turn the ball over, but the Chiefs, basically gave them a piece of their own medicine. And I think they kind of overreacted and they got out of their game plan because they were like, man, we're not going to have that many possessions if they keep moving the ball like this. You know, Mahomes started off completing his first 11 passes of the game. Super efficient. Take taking what the defense gave him. Very patient and calm in the pocket. And I, I think uh, the real big play for me was that first drive. Remember that fourth and two, that, that pass to Kelsey. That, that really, I think, set the tone. Uh, for the rest of the game. So, yeah, Baltimore got out of the character, and the Chiefs, they're kind of known for doing that. They're kind of known for getting teams to panic a little bit. You see 15 on the other side on the sideline, and you kind of get out of, out of character. Your, your quarterback wants to try to go both blow for blow with them, and I think that's what you saw, especially in that first half. Travis Kelsey has the legacy game, 16 total yards and the one touchdown. I thought his steadying presence, and of course he passes uh, Jerry Rice for all-time receptions in the postseason. I thought he gave them something that we hadn't seen from him at all times in the regular season. Like Andy Reid gave voice to him sitting out that week 18 and that kind of making him uh, rejuvenated or getting him fresh and ready to go for the playoffs. Like we've, We've seen it, especially these last two weeks. He showed up in a big way on those first two drives. Let, let's talk about this Justin Tucker thing, because to me, like, there was so much that happened that that wasn't nothing, Mark. Like that wasn't. And Pat just went on 610 today and basically said, like, you know, I, in my seven years as a starter, this has only happened three times with not being able to share the field or like having kickers warm up. And every time it was in Baltimore, he felt this was a big them trying to get 
into his head. Um, and and that wasn't the only thing. There was a little skirmish on the side. I think Zay Flowers also is another example of what I'm trying to point out here, where he steps over Legereus Sneed and then makes a huge mental error. The penalties with the with the roughing the passer and the personal fouls, like to me, it was emblematic of Baltimore trying to rise to the occasion, trying to say, "Hey, we're the best team all year." trying to prove that they belong in those moments, prove that they can do it. Lamar Jackson hearing all the noise. I went to Walmart before the game trying to get a rain jacket, and you could just kind of feel like the anxiousness. You could feel that Baltimore was like trying to trying to ready themselves for the moment. Meanwhile, KC, on the other hand, you know, Travis played in 21 playoff games. Pat, uh, 17. Chris Jones, 16. Andy Reid has coached in – a regular seat, two regular seasons worth of, of postseason games. Like they've been there, done that. They know what the emotions of a game like that are going to bring. And it just felt like through the ebbs and flows of the game, KC was there emotionally and mentally. And Baltimore was kind of panicky when they felt like, yo, this is not what we're usually in. This game is not traditionally how we win. Like it just felt like, especially even coaching wise, play calling wise. And then we could see it in the frustrations. Like it just felt like emotionally Casey had them beat. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking about everything with the emotion and the anxiousness in Baltimore, right? They brought everybody. It was like a homecoming game for them. Yeah. Ray Lewis there. Ed Reed came back. Terrell Suggs, you know, Michael Phelps, T Pain at halftime. We didn't see that on TV. So I have to ask you about that in a little bit, but yeah, man, they brought out all the stops, and this was their first ever AFC Championship game in that stadium in the history of their franchise. So it was a big deal for them. But I think the Chiefs really embraced this going on the road thing. I think they had a lot of fun doing it, actually. You know, obviously they love Arrowhead, and we know that. But there was something about, you know, going on the road and playing, like I said, probably the second and third best quarterbacks. And obviously you go to Josh Allen's house in Orchard Park, a team that's never beat you in the playoffs in the Mahomes era. Then you go to Baltimore to face the soon-to-be two-time MVP of Lamar Jackson and talking about that number one defense. You hear all that talk, and it feels like it's Lamar's time. You know, you saw all those type of narratives. So I, I think they really relished in that, and, you know, it brings them together. You know, it's always a, that thing when you go on the road. It's you literally against everybody. You know, you could say that all you want, but when you're on the road, it really is, especially – come playoff time so I think they really embraced that challenge and now they quiet all that talks of can they win on the road in the playoffs because now that's over with I think we lost Aaron now he seems like he's totally frozen so oh okay uh, I think what he was setting up this Trent McDuffie cut so we'll play that hopefully we'll have Aaron back here in a second Oh, okay. Y'all successfully defended your AFC title. It took shots. Five-point underdogs in this one. What does, it mean to, what does it mean to be headed back, man? Man, everybody doubted us. This whole year, all we've been hearing is Chiefs this, Chiefs that. Now look at us, bro. All they take is hard work and dedication. You get anything you got to do. What's it going to take to win the Super Bowl? Same thing we've been doing, man. Lock it down on the defense. Go score on the offense. Good luck to you, man. Congrats. Appreciate it. Yeah, Trent McDuffie there. All-pro Trent McDuffie. Second-year guy. I mean... How special is that, right? Your first two years in the NFL, all you know is going to the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Do we have Aaron Lab back? I don't know what's happening. It has been a while. It has been a while since this happened. Are you Are you there? Can you hear me? Test, test, test. I, talk, talk, talk. Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I think we're back. It's- the chat is killing me. I'm. I'm. My Wi-Fi yeah. is just getting. Yeah. Yeah, you're that's, getting. You're getting cooked. Did we play the McDuffie bite? Yes, we did. Y'all heard from Trent McDuffie. He usually doesn't talk. He usually doesn't say stuff. He usually is like company man. Like after one of the worst losses of the year, I think it was the Raiders game. He's like, bro, we're close. We're 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 like, we're like not as far away. Kind of what you gave voice to. Like we're not getting blown out. We're making a couple mental errors here and there. It's the penalties. It's the drops. It's the stuff that we can control. And they've kind of eliminated a lot of that stuff in the playoffs. Like Pat doesn't have any turnover, turnover worthy throws. They turned over the Baltimore Ravens three times, twice of those in the red zone. Like, yes, they can rally around that. Nobody believed in us. And we heard all the talk, but like at the end of the day, they're executing now. They're, they're finally, they're finally putting their money where their mouth is. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think it's a testament to the leadership at the top. You know, you talk about Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Uh, this time of year, man, they, they know what the ultimate goal is. And I talked about it before. First, you want to win your division. No. You win the division, get in the playoffs. Then after that, you take it one game at a time. And this team, you know, which is ironic because the first time they won a Super Bowl with, during them homes there, there's only six players remaining from that roster. But go back to last year, most of the team is back from last year. So majority of these guys have Super Bowl experience, which I think is very vital this time of year, especially when you're going against teams like the Ravens, right? We know the Ravens, their his, his history, like they have a couple of rings, but not this core, not this Lamar Jackson era of the Baltimore Ravens. So I think that definitely played a big factor, you know, especially with them being at home. Like I mentioned, they're so hyped up. You got all the legends coming back. It's a lot of pressure. And that's why I said last week, getting out to an early lead was very, very vital to me for the Chiefs because then at that point, the Ravens may start pressing because they haven't really trailed all season. Even they hadn't the- been down 10 points in like yeah. over two years. Yeah. yeah, and even in the games they lost, they didn't trail until like the last couple seconds. Like it was like some his miraculous stuff at the end. Like they weren't trailing throughout the course of the game. So I think, you know, getting up early, getting up seven, you're up at 10 at halftime. You kind of took them out of their game plan. Lamar started pressing a little bit because you saw his emotions. Like he doesn't hide it. He gets all on his sleeve. You know, everybody blew up the whole Mahomes thing against Buffalo. That was a one-off. Lamar does that kind of consistently when things aren't going his way. I've seen it several times. You know, he was throwing his helmet, slamming his hand on the ground. And I just think because he wants it so bad that he can't really bottle all that emotion and kind of hide it, right? It just lets it all out in that moment. So I think at that point, the Chiefs had him right where they wanted him. Let's go to more player sound here before I read a couple notes from the chat. You talked about emotions and KC maintaining theirs. I talked to two guys post-game who seemed to be as cool, calm, and collected as possible. The first of those was George Karloftis. How's it feel, man? What are the emotions in your mind right now? Feels amazing, man. But uh, like I said last week, the job's not finished. We got one more. We're gonna enjoy it for a couple of days, and now it's on. It's, and then it's on to whoever we play next. Y'all contained Lamar Jackson extremely well in this. What was the game plan from Spags to keep him uh, controlled in this one? You just said it. I mean, he's a he's a hell of a player, man. But we we contained him to the best of our abilities, no matter what. And you know, the result speaks for itself. Ten points. A lot of guys talked about the adversity that y'all face this year. Does that make y'all stronger? Does that make y'all stronger for this last game? Down down the stretch who, who gives a shit about any of that man just about winning the one Whew. the chat says uh baltimore tried to be the bully they got bullied that's from think through tactical who also quick little ao moment said this d just punches teams in the mouth <laughs> oh, i mean fr- but phrasing how <laughs> about that um that composure from Karloftis, right like the second not- year player second year player yeah, it didn't sound like one right you know, he didn't seem excited, really, you know, overly giddy or, you know, oh, my gosh, the job. We got some back to the Super Bowl. Like, he's really locked in. I mean, you know, he was basically saying, he said, who gives an S? Like, you know, it's not finished. And he said, the job speaks for itself, 10 points. I mean, I love that demeanor. And I think that's like, once again, man, just great leadership. On this team, it all trickles down. Obviously, Chris Jones in that D-line room, I'm sure, rubbed off on Corloftis a lot throughout the year and obviously last year as well. So it's really, really cool to see these young guys. I mean, him and McDuffie, you know, very, very calm and cool. Those are your two first-round picks last year, right? You know, it's part of that Tyreek Hill trade. So it's pretty ironic that those are the two guys that seem to be super, super calm in these moments when Aaron Ladd is talking to him on the field for yet another AFC championship celebration. Let's go back to some of that player sound. This was from Justin Watson, which, you know, I'm, I got all the sound and then I'm like, all right, what am I putting on social media first? This was the first one I put out because it kind of spoke to a couple points that we were talking about in this intro, recapping this game. KC has heard the noise and they kind of galvanized around, Hey, nobody believes in us. Yeah. Like, there were dark days. The Raiders game 
we're sitting on this pod like we're done, we're cooked. I don't know how Pat could drag this team to a Super Bowl title, and here they are, especially talking about this wide receiver room. This is Justin Watson after the game. What it take to win this game, man? Five-point underdogs. Y'all came in and shut it down. Man, love it. You know, I, one thing, man, I don't know why you question 15. I don't know why anyone would question Pat. I don't know why they talk. I, man, do not do that to him. He's Michael Jordan playing football. So once we heard that, man, I knew that he was going to come out and play. It was going to be a team effort. Seeing him offense do the thing the first half, defense shutting it down the whole game, and special teams making some big plays when it counted, man. That's a team win. Michael Jordan playing football. I know as soon as you heard those words, Michael Jordan, you were like, this is going on social right now. This is going to, this is going to viral. I know it just went off in your head. Don't lie to me. You were giddy inside. You heard Michael Jordan. <laughs> I, I, I like the Michael Jordan comparison for this reason. Maybe this is, this is clip bait or whatever, as we recap the AFC title game. When we look back on Pat's career, he's 28. Now he's going to play for 15 more years, whatever. We're going to look at all of these teams that could have won titles, all of these players that are worthy of winning titles that didn't, i.e. a Lamar Jackson, i.e. a Josh Allen. Like, who knows what's coming next? Joe Burrow, who won and bested Mahomes at one time, but could have more, and you see the point there. I like that comparison because it's the same way with Jordan. You look at his career, there's four or five guys, Hall of Famers, that you're like, damn, they should have had more rings. They should have had more success. But they kept running into Jordan like Pat is like he's doing that in front of our very eyes in consecutive weeks. I may add Mark Gunnels like it's I there. They had no business doing it this year. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of one of the, some of those Patriots teams. You know, we, we've seen plenty of those Patriots teams struggle throughout the regular season. How many times did we see? Is it the end of the dynasty? Is Tom Brady done? You know, they'll lose two two games in a row or something like that, and everybody's all over them trying to write them off. You know, they finished the season. This is back when it was 16 games. They'll finish like, you know, 11 and 5 or 10 and 6. But for some, some way, somehow, they'll still find a way to ugly games up in the postseason, you know, play good defense, complimentary football. Tom Brady doesn't have the flashy numbers, but doesn't turn the ball over. And they end up winning the championship. I mean, look at 2018 when they beat the Chiefs. Now that game was a high-scoring game, but look at that Super Bowl against the Rams. It was 13 to three. <laughs> that was the score of that game. 13 to three against the Rams. So I, I kind of compare that team to this Chiefs team, where they're leaning on the defense, but their quarterback can make just enough plays, right? Because Tom Brady had that big pass to Gronk in that Rams game. You know, obviously Mahomes with the big pass to MVS and this game against Baltimore in the second half, and they didn't really do anything in the second half. So I think it's a lot of a parallel there between those two teams. You want to hear from Brett Veach next or Creed Humphrey? Uh, let's do Creed first. This is kind of speaking more to that emotional battle and uh, being emotionally ready for the moment. This is Creed post game uh, after Kansas city beat the Baltimore Ravens 17 to 10. You headed back to the Super Bowl, man. How's it feel? Sure. Feeling great. Feeling great. Uh, and the best part is there's a lot for us to clean up still. So, uh, you know, we're excited about it. Uh, enjoy this one today, uh, the rest of the day, and then, um, yeah, get ready for the next opponent. What made this challenge so difficult? This year, you've been to the Super Bowl before. This year, having to go on the road, what made this year's challenge different? Yeah, like you said, going on the road, going in hostile environments. The fans were awesome tonight. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a different experience than it was for me last year. But, uh, you know, we're, we, uh, we did a great job the guys fought all night and uh that's a great team we played just now so we're excited <laughs> wish i had grabbed nick allegretti after the game because uh that that is one of those highlighter type performances where the role he stepped into what he was asked to do the the situation the stakes i mean joe tooney is a first team all pro pro bowl left guard for the reigning champs and your expectation is to go in against the league's number one defense and keep Patrick Mahomes upright and set running lanes for Isaiah Pacheco. I think he maybe got beat on two or three plays. This is without me looking at the game tape. It's Tuesday. But you heard from Creed there. The, the job this whole line did and now mentally is trying to do to turn the next page because we'll get into the injuries a little bit later, but it doesn't look like Tooney's going to be going to be back in time for the game. 
uh, mentally they were in the right spot, and they're a big part of the offense making the turnaround they did, Mark. Yeah, and to your point about Nick Allegretti, he was the highest-graded pass blocker in that game, including both teams, not just for the Chiefs, for the Ravens as well. He was the best one in general. So, I mean, talk about a great performance there. And we spoke on it before. I wasn't too concerned because he, this is a guy that has started before. Uh, he's been part of the system for five years now. I think if you had to have any backup on the offensive line, he's probably the most comfortable guy that you felt with in this situation. And obviously, you know, losing Joe Tooney obviously is not ideal. I mean, the guy, like you said, was the first team all pro. But I felt pretty comfortable there, you know, knowing that you do have a guy like Creed Humphrey to his right. You know, you got a veteran, Donovan Smith, to his left. So I think they did a good job of scheming that up. And it just overall, man, this team, they find a way to always have a guy step up. You know, even last year, you know, talk about all those young defensive backs they had, all the rookies, you know, with Watson, Joshua Williams, McDuffie. You know, it kind of gives me a, that same type of vibe. You know, obviously, Allegrade's not a rookie, but just as far as guys that are stepping up into roles that they aren't really particularly used to in the biggest moments and playing their best football. Uh, do you look at Lamar Jackson differently because of this outcome? Like he didn't play his best game. I don't think that he would say that he did. Uh, 272 total yards passing, the 54 yards rushing, the interception, the fumble on the strip sack. This is now another. This is now another data point where we can say Lamar had an opportunity to match up with somebody who we put him on the same pedestal, a similar pedestal, not the same pedestal, excuse me before I say that, but one of his peers, you know, it was a peer type game where we evaluate you and say, okay, you're a two-time MVP or expect to be versus Mahomes, who's the greatest in the game right now. And you couldn't get it done. And it was at home. Um, are you looking at Lamar and this doesn't have to be long, but are you looking at him any differently as a guy who's in the AFC and the chiefs are likely going to have to see again, if they want to keep this dynasty going? Yeah, no. I mean, this is kind of what he's been doing in the playoffs up to this point. Now, you were thinking this is probably his best situation for him to succeed. I mean, everything was set up perfectly for them. I mean, they had everybody healthy. They had their whole 53-man roster. Like They didn't have nobody out. You were at home. You had a great path. I mean, your first game, you got to play the Houston Texans, who basically just crawled their way into the playoffs. The team, nobody even expected to be there. And you whooped them uh, division around. Then you got the Chiefs, who everybody's saying this is the worst version of the Chiefs during the Mahomes there. And you got them at home in your backyard. So, and you know, everybody will always like to say, well, it's okay. You'll be back. It's not that simple, man. It's not, it's not easy to get back, you know, unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, they're the only exception to that rule. Jesus, yo. <laughs> but, I mean, six straight years speaks for itself, but. The AFC is only going to get tougher next year. Joe Burrow is going to be back. Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. Deshaun Watson in your own division is going to be back. You know, the Texans are going to get better. They got a lot of cap space. The Chargers got Jim Harbaugh now. So, like, the AFC on paper should only get better moving forward. So, I think if you're a Ravens fan, you should be very, very disappointed because you may have squandered your best chance. And you were talking about guys that, you know, may never win because they're in Mahomes – trying to go through Mahomes like he's Jordan, right? And I, I think this may be one of those years that you look back on Lamar Jackson, you're like, yeah, you let a big opportunity slip away. Well, you said his name again, Michael Jordan. I asked Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach if that makes his job easier, building around Michael Jordan where, hey, you can give this guy chicken shit and he'll turn it into chicken salad. He'll still deliver into you a Super Bowl year. I cut it with Brett Veach after the AFC title game. Justin Watson just called Mahomes Michael Jordan. Yeah. What is that? What does that make your job easier when you have Michael Jordan building around him? Oh, absolutely, it does. I mean, he's the best in the business, and um, it was so cool to come in here and, and then to end the game on that on that last throw by Pat and MVS. I mean, um, you couldn't uh, you couldn't wrote a better script. So it was really cool. But so proud of the guys, coaching staff, um, just a tremendous effort. I mean, this is a heck of a team. Um, this defense is, is the Ravens defense um, was amazing all year, and you know we got out of them early, 17 points, but you know. They clamped it down, but then our defense answered the call, and, and that's why we won the game. Couldn't have wrote a better script. 
He, you saw him smiling when he said that. Too. Yeah, yeah, he was smiling <laughs> pretty much the whole time, man. You got him, you got him going when you talking about Michael Jordan. It doesn't make your job easier. <laughs> well, there's a double edged sword to that because it's kind of like being LeBron's head coach, right? Like the like the job is easier, quote unquote, but there's also more tension on it, and there's also more speculation. There's also going to be more criticism if we don't get the job done because people are going to say you're fumbling an opportunity to get this guy, like. You know what I mean? It's a, there's a double-edged sword there. I think a lot of people, and I know a lot of people responded to that and were like, Brett Veach is riding the coattails of Patrick Mahomes. He needs to improve the wide receiver room next year. Like, yes, I think everybody's under the same assumption that the Chiefs team offensively will be much better next year. But still, we got to stop and smell the roses for a little bit, Mark. Like, there is a Super Bowl for the fourth time in the last five years, and this is – this it's, the team that they're there with this year is is rounding into form. They're playing their best ball as of late. They are. They are, man. And I just keep going back to I think truly playing on the road did wonders for this team. Like if they were at home during the stretch, I'm not as It's harder confident. to play at home. Yeah, I'm not as confident that they'll be here. I, you know, I, I think there's something to being at home, maybe being a little laxed and you know, a little bit of unfocusedness there. But I feel like when you're on the road, you're so locked in because you know everybody's against you. You got the narrative, the crowd, 75,000 people rooting against you. So I do think that does help with the level of focus and just the fact they haven't done it before. So I really think they took that on as a ultimate challenge because you got to think, Aaron, when you've been here so many times, you could say, what's the motivation, right? Yeah. But – they have that this year because they never had to go this route on the road. So you had a way to create a new challenge for this group that just won the Super Bowl last year and has been here for the last five years. You can create that chip on your shoulder. A guy who has a chip on his shoulder right now that's a part of the Kansas City Chiefs organization is wide receiver Kadarius Tony, who caused a stir on social media just hours before kickoff, Mark Gones. The timing of this was perfect. And uh, for those who don't know, KT, who was uh, ruled out on Saturday with uh, the hip injury, and they called it personal reasons. We later found out from James Palmer of NFL Network that Kadarius Tony had a daughter that was born on his birthday that Saturday. Uh, so that's why he didn't suit up or even make the trip with the team to Baltimore. He goes on social media that morning and in reference to his injuries and not playing remember he hasn't played since the new england game on december 17th i believe the direct quote was man that shit cap as in he's not actually hurt and thinks that the chiefs are kind of faking these things to keep him away from the field um what's your what's your read on this situation and then i think maybe spinning it forward we can we can kind of look ahead a little bit uh, it, does he play another game or another down for Kansas City? Kadarius Tony needs to stay off social media. Uh, that's first and foremost. Coming from you, that's rich. Coming from you, that's insane. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm responsible with my social media. Account. <laughs> when no, Mark Gunnels tells you you need to put the phone down, <laughs> you really you really need to put the phone down. <laughs> I knew you were going to get a kick out of that one. But, yeah, man, it's, it's been too many of these little incidents with him off the field, saying certain things, arguing with fan bases and stuff like that. And that's just not the Chiefs' way. You know, you talk about the Patriots' way. There's a certain way that the Chiefs expect their players to conduct themselves on and off the field as well. So this doesn't align with that at all. And I really think he's in jeopardy of potentially ruining his career. And I hate to say that because you got to think about it like this. If it doesn't work out with the Chiefs, what are other teams going to think, right? Because the Chiefs are the standard of the league right now. So if, if you couldn't get it together there, why would I pick you up if I'm the commanders or, you know, the whoever you want to say? The Falcons or anybody, right? Stop so, that. I knew you were going to do that. You guys are in the same tier, man. But <laughs> but no, but seriously, though, man, I think you even probably would agree with me, though. This is just not a good look. I, I don't see the Chiefs being an organization that would lie 
about their injury report, so I'm not going to put that on them at all. Uh, but congrats. You really, you really don't think that they would lie on their injury report, Mark? So here's Come the on, difference. Man. There's difference Come between on, there's difference between lying and not telling the full truth. The the chat says uh, Octavius on X says they were trying to spare him and he exposed himself, which I think may be a little bit closer to the truth than you're than what you're you're saying that like essentially it's so, okay it okay. was an here, ego it was an ego injury they here, they they go ahead. But no, no, but here's the thing. You know how these injury reports work, right? Like, you got to put something on there. Like, he probably does have whatever the injury is, but it's not to the point where he For can't For over play. a month? For over a month? No, I, let, me get, I'm, let me get there. It, it's probably not to the point where he can't play. Like, guys are injured all the time. Like, they have, like, a little sore knee or something like that. You just put it on the re- injury report, but you know yeah. they're going to play, like, like Pacheco with the toe. Like nobody doubted that he was going to play last week. There was no question about that. He, right? he even said it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he does have some type of injury, but I don't believe it's to the point where he can't play. And we mentioned it before. I think it's a soft benching of Kadarius Tony. Does he play another down in Kansas City? I'm going to lean yes for right now, only because his contract is so cheap. You know, it's essentially year, a rookie deal. Yeah, next year you're only paying him like two million dollars, and I think it's safe to say that Hardman's going to be gone. Um, MVS is probably going to be cut. You can get off of him, and then you're looking at Richie James probably being gone as well. So that leaves you with Sky Moore, right? Richie, Richie, not Richie James, Sky Moore, Richie, Richie Rice. Rice, and. Justin Watson and Watson, Watson and Watson. So, I mean, that's the only reason why I say yes. Now, yeah, I I just don't see why not, because, you know, he only costs two million dollars. There's still talent there. You get a whole offseason, get him healthy and see what happens. Where do you where do you think, though? I think he's done. And I think, think he done. know I think he knows not done in the league. I think he's I think he's done in Kansas City. And I think he kind of sensed that. I think he figured. Or hell, if I'm not playing the AFC title game and I haven't played in over a month, they're not going to trot me out there in the Super Bowl. So essentially, I'm going to force my hand now to where they're either going to have to cut me or they're going to have to trade me or like I'm going to I'm going to have to go somewhere else to essentially get what I want. And the chat once again says you have to get cut because he ain't worth nothing on the trade market. You the chat says he has talent, but you can tell he doesn't take the game seriously. This going back to your point about him not doing it the Chiefs way. Like the Chiefs are militaristic. Andy Reid runs this in like a military style way. And this was him stepping out of rank. This was him stepping like the guys were still trying with Kadarius after the New England game, which Pat, you could tell that he was no longer really into it. But Travis still after after another time where we go to you and we try to get you involved, you still eh, it's not just that you just don't catch the ball. You're directly leading to a turnover. And it's like, I think that it's going to be hard to have anybody in that locker room say, yeah, we we want to keep going with this. And I think he sensed that. And I think this was his way of usually guys will go through their agents and do this and say, Hey, like float something or tell something to a reporter. He just did it the old fashioned way. He did it. I mean, like he, he just did it. He did it the new media type of way. And he did it smartly right before the game to kind of get maximum eyeballs maximum attention hell we're talking about it here after the game like i think if the question is did he come back to kc no like andy was asked about it and said that he would practice i mean him practicing at this point is all he does that is game day for him at this point and i know this wasn't on our script but i do want to ask you one question well i want to see what your take is on this obviously not the same situation as far as the off the field stuff but do you think it's still similar with Sky Moore that this is a soft benching of Sky Moore as well? I don't like soft benching because we have they've already been honest about pairing the offense down. So it, it's not as much of a soft benching as it is like we're feeding our best players. We're letting our playmakers make plays. Like we're going to throw the ball to Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice and run the ball with Isaiah Pacheco. Like it's it's hard for anybody else outside of those three to even get looks. So like I don't think Sky is necessarily benched. I could see him coming back next year in a real way. Yeah. versus versus Kadarius, which is more like seems like an event, like an experiment type thing. I don't think I think Sky was just like 
look, you were part of us trying to figure out what worked for us this year and it just didn't work this year, but we'll try again next year. I don't, I don't think that he's, it was performance based. You're, you're just done. I think they still do believe in him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was just curious because a lot of people were kind of putting them two in the same box. And I think it's a fundamental difference between the two. They're kind of tied at the hips because of their uh because of their touchdowns in Super Bowl 57 and the role they played in that game. But uh let's talk quickly about a guy who is not a player, but key in Kansas City's roster building process. It is KC Chiefs Vice President of Football Operations, Brant Tillis, leaving the organization to work with the Charlotte Panthers, Carolina Panthers. Why did I say Charlotte Panthers? Um, <laughs> Tillis does a lot of the cap stuff. And this is one of those things where it, we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but like a big part of why KC has been able to be successful is the front office and not just Brett Veach. Like there's a lot of cap specialists. Remember Ryan Poles was a guy that gets um, siphoned out of that brain trust and ends up in Chicago. Like, it's a good thing, Mark, when other teams who are trying to figure their shit out come over to you and say, All right, they're doing something right. Those guys have got it figured out. Let's take him. Let's hire him. Let's give him a raise and, uh, and see if he can help us create some magic. Like, this is another indication that, like, other teams are trying to emulate what KC does well. Oh, yeah, 100%. And if you're in that building right now, you must be very happy because you know that you're tied to, to the success of the team. So you're going to get opportunities like this. So it, it's very, very good for him. Uh, just a testament to this front office and what they've been doing over the last six years in the Jordan Patrick Mahomes era, you know, building that defense up, you know, having a top two defense in the league. You know, we always used to say if you give Mahomes just even a top 10 defense, that they would be pretty much hard, unstoppable, right? So, he got a top two defense right now. Top two defense right now. So, I mean, just the scouting department, they always seem to find these gems in the later rounds, which is very, very unique. You know, obviously Pacheco in the seventh round. You know, you get guys like Jalen Watson in the later later rounds as well, Joshua Williams. So, I mean, they just hit, man. And, you know, I, I think it's going to continue to go as long as you got Brett Veach in there. Andy Reid, you know, he obviously has a major input as well. But, yeah, congrats, man. You know, it's a big opportunity. And you're going to see more of this, like you mentioned before. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's get to our Chiefs preview. Escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. All right, as we kind of mentioned in the open, we'll save like the specific Super Bowl 58 game preview for the next week's episode, episode 76. Just kind of looking around some of the storylines and things that will make an impact on that game this week. So let's start with, of course, the injury report. And no injury bigger that happened in the AFC title game than the injury to Chiefs defensive lineman Charles Menahue. He suffered a torn ACL and uh, really just a tough blow for Kansas City's defense and a player that had been very impactful for them down the stretch. Um, remember he missed the first six games of the season, Mark, with the suspension, and then he just came out um, – like a bat out of hell had the 11 sacks in seven games or something like that. Seven sacks in 11 games. Um, and was extremely impactful. Let's hear from him really quickly after the game. He had the strip sack on Lamar Jackson. 
uh, that KC took advantage of in that game. I wish I had been able to finish the game out, but I made a play to help the team. And, bro, like, this is crazy, bro. We won the Super Bowl for real, bro. <laughs> What'd you see on that strip sack? What, what was that play or reaction? I see, I see him balling quarterback. I'm not sacking this man without stripping the ball, period. It play action, but I knew it was pass and converted, bro, and made a play. And I just told everybody, calm down. Like, this is what I came here for, bro. Sucks he won't be able to play in the game. He's also a former 49er, understands the scheme. So I think he turns into assistant coach Charles Amenahue from here on out telling them what they need to look for, how to attack uh, San Francisco, and some things that he can make an impact on. But this is where I want to pin you down, Mark Gunnels. Pause there. Hold up. Wait a minute. You're a wild boy, man. Let me rephrase that. This is where I want to understand where your thought process is because you've been on X ever since this injury started. (laughs) You've been on X ever since this injury diagnosis came out. Waving the flag for Frank Clark. Frank Clark needs to come back to the kingdom. I don't understand why we don't give Frank Clark another opportunity. This is the perfect situation for the shark to come back. There's blood in the water. Why don't we just kick the tires on Frank Clark? And this is what I want to say before passing the mic over to you. You invested a first-round pick in Felix Eudike Uzama. Use him. Sky Moore didn't pay dividends last year until the last game of the season. Why can't why can't Felix, why can't FAU be this year's Sky Moore? Why would you bring in a guy off street clothes that's played for two other teams this year and both of them said, nah, actually we're all right. Why would you bring him in for one game when you have a rookie who you were invested in longer than just this game that you could build confidence for in the future? I don't want to hear anything about the Frank Clark talk. It's all built off what's happened in the past, and it's all built off of these warm and fuzzies that we get. When he won the Super Bowl last year, Chiefs fans should just have had that in their mind as his last game. Don't even think about the Broncos tenure or what happened in Seattle. This is Felix's time to shine, and it's going to be in a limited capacity, but I don't want to hear anything about Frank Clark. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about Frank Clark. <clears throat> so when I say that, I'm not saying to come in and have 50% of the snaps, Aaron. I, I'm saying, why not for just depth? Like, what if somebody else goes down in the middle of the game? You're already thin now with Charles Amenahu being out. And just even just you talking about him being a, a assistant coach, Charles Amenahu, right? Why can't Frank Clark bring some of that, you know, the, the veteran leadership on the sideline? We saw last year when he was coaching up George Karloftis and the young guys, you know, it's more than just him actually being on the field. Like, yeah, I would like to have maybe take a couple spot snaps here or there, but I'm not asking him to come in and just be this mainstay guy on the edge and you're out there for majority of the game. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Now, do I know if he's in game shape or not? I have no clue. I have no idea what he's been doing the last couple of months. I do not. I know. don't think so. I, I, I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know. So I mean, even when he was in game shape, it was there. There has nothing. There has been nothing to write home about from Frank Clark in the 2023-2024 season. And while I'll yield you, there hasn't been much to write home about for FAU either. He's a guy that you are invested in his success longer than just you. Like you gotta, you gotta build him up. Like if you're asking for less than fifty percent of the snap, that that we're talking about the same thing. Like I'm not expecting Felix to come in and play a big. Big snap share, big snap count. When he comes in, they're going to tell him, beat your guy one-on-one. Don't worry about anything else that's happening. Beat your guy one-on-one and go attack the quarterback. Yeah, and I'm excited to see that. I truly am. I'm, I'm just – I just didn't think – I don't see the downside just for depth, man. It was just just strictly depth. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. You just had to stir the pot. <laughs> it wouldn't be me if I didn't, right? It sounds like, stick it with our injury report, it sounds like Joe Tooney will miss Super Bowl 58 as well. He has the torn right. I was shocked by that. You were shocked by that? Why? Well, because there was this impression that there was a long shot he could have played Sunday against Baltimore. That's called gamesmanship. So when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, if you get an extra two weeks, it's probably a good chance that he can give it a go. So I'm a little surprised that it's kind of already being ruled out this early 
I think, you know, sometimes you got to, and I, we have said this on this platform before, but you got to let, you got to, anytime you get information from one of those, those reporters or those like uh, information guys, you have to think who benefits from this information being out there. So the bit, the, the, when the information is phrased like, oh, it's a, it's a strain, but he's considering surgery, but not sure yet. They're still evaluating like, yeah, the, 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 the chiefs benefit from there still being some like, an unclear ability if he's going to play or not. Like, I think they know very well that he, he he's not going to be back this year. And Willie Gay is probably a little bit more murkier. Like, I, I don't know what the if we've gotten an official diagnosis. Like, we heard with Tooney, torn peck. With Willie Gay, we just keep keep hearing stiff neck, neck strain, tightness in his neck. What until we hear the actual injury, I don't know if we we'll, we know if he's going to be able to go. The extra the extra week helps, but I don't, I'm still not sure. I think what that one you can do a better and assuming he would probably be ready to go, especially because this one seemed like it came out to the last minute. I mean, I was even texting you like an hour before the game. Like, is there any updates on Willie Gay? I've heard any- <laughs> has Mike Edwards cleared concussion protocol yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Mark. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. And I, I, mean, just I don't know. I'm just, you're in the building. I thought you maybe had some inside information. You think Mike came up to me and was like, "Hey, just just so that you know, lad. Like I'm uh, I maybe. It. I mean, you see the players <laughs> walking through the tunnel. I don't know what what happens during that situation. Who knows? He's got like a he's got a sticky note on his head that says cleared concussion protocol. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I was just trying to go to the source, man. Uh, looking ahead to Super Bowl 58, the Chiefs, they already have like, they have like a way of doing business. They have a game plan. They have a, they have a timeline because they've been in this game and they dealt, they've dealt with the distraction and they've dealt with the travel and they've dealt with the circus around it. They know how to handle this. The Chiefs will not be practicing. This is Tuesday when we record this. They don't practice on Tuesday. They won't practice or they'll do a light walkthrough on Wednesday. Uh, before doing media at Arrowhead on Thursday and Friday, leaving for the Super Bowl on Sunday and then Super Bowl opening night and all of the things that happen in Vegas will begin on Monday. But it makes me feel or it, it should bring Chiefs Kingdom solace that like they have a coach who's been in these big games before. They have a quarterback that's been in these big games before. They know what the travel takes. They know the media demands like they have a method or a way of doing business around the Super Bowl that is comfortable for them. Do you worry about any players, you know, since the fact it's in Las Vegas as a distraction at all? Well, the NFL did a great job, and this is not by this is not by coincidence. The teams are staying 30 minutes off strip. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're staying near Lake Las Vegas, which is not even not even close. But I have no worries about that with the Chiefs. I think they're self-policed. I think that they understand what's at stake. I don't think that being close to the strip makes them think any more about making a a dumb decision. I'm not worried about that. And I think for the one when they played the Niners the first time, Miami. They weren't in Miami either. I feel like I remember they were like somewhere far out. I forgot the city. It was like 30, 45 minutes away as well. Cause you know, Miami is one of those kind of distraction type cities also. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, they'll be fine. Like you said, they've been here before, you know, even the guys that weren't here before that first Niners game, they were here last year for the one against the uh, Eagles. So, you know, they'll be ready to go. And I think on the other side as well, I mean, it's not too many players re- retaining from that first Niners game, obviously, for the Niners side as well. But they have a lot of veterans on that team also. Trent Williams, you know, Bosa, George Kittle, you know, Kyle Shanahan, his dad used to be in these big games plenty of times, and he has himself. You know, I mean, you know as well <laughs> for your Atlanta Falcons as offensive coordinator, you know. So Kyle Shanahan's very used Why? to the week. Why? <laughs> How do you feel about Kyle Shannon, actually? You being a Falcons fan, just seeing him, you know, evolve as a head coach. Like, what are your thoughts on Kyle? Um, This can be one of our last uh, topics. If we could save Vegas for next week when you have plays. I'll scroll through the chat if y'all have some last-second questions here on Chiefs Coast to Coast episode 75. Um, It was funny because Shanahan was asked if there was unfinished business against the Chiefs. <laughs> 
in, in the Super Bowl since you know they matched up four years ago and 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 blew the twenty to ten lead late. There's been unfinished business for Kyle Shanahan for a very long time now. Like I. I have a hard time thinking that he's not motivated by the fact that, yeah, he was an offensive coordinator on a team that blew a 28 to three lead to Brady. Like he's been to the Super Bowl and lost every time now. All of these most recent times, like he's got to be motivated. He, in the same way that we talked about Lamar, like, oh, can't win the big one. Oh, or, you know, he shrinks under the big pressure. Like, if, if the Niners lose this year, it's another example of Kyle Shanahan having all of the right situations all of the he's got I mean maybe not the quarterback he wants but he's got him humming at a right level the offense is working like I said before the year I said before the playoffs started like if if they don't win this year it it, it, when is it ever going to happen for the Niners under Kyle Shanahan like this and for the record I'm picking KC I just want to just want to get that out there so I do think this is another example of like us saying damn Kyle again like Sheesh, are you just going to be a bridesmaid every year and not a bride? <laughs> I do want to go back real quick because I didn't get to ask you, and it'll be too late to ask you next week. We almost forgot. What happened with the whole Pacheco situation, man? <laughs> like, he, like he ran you over. Like That was crazy to see on my story. I saw it first on your IG story. I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> So all the people were happy, man. For those of you who haven't seen this, uh we got a video of that? I hope not. <laughs> I don't need this to blow up. I don't I don't need this to blow up. This does not uh, even be a good to grab that. I don't know if he has it. Um what do you say? He don't. Ah, he doesn't Perfect. got it. We should I should have asked for that. That was my, that's on me. <laughs> um I think he was just fired up after the game, man. Like usually, and this is kind of inside baseball a little bit. There's like a cool down period usually. Typically, like we don't talk to players until like 20 minutes after the final horn. Like they go into the locker room and coach talks to them, and then there's like a period between the end of the game and them talking to us. And you know, now I understand a little bit more firsthand that like, yeah, some guys can go from like an NFL football game and all the juices and the environment and the emotions that come with that. To like talking to the media isaiah pacheco in this instance was not he was a little bit more fired up which fits his playing style and he just kind of like knocked my phone out of my hand he didn't knock me over but like okay i'm kind of surprised that the phone wasn't cracked considering uh you know like how hard he hits and some of the physicality that he's known for but no i don't think we have beef a lot of people have been trying that i don't <laughs> I don't think we have beef. We had just talked on Wednesday for like five minutes and he was smiling the entire time. So no, I don't think we have beef. No, I don't think he saw me pick Baltimore, which is another popular theory. No, I don't <laughs> think he saw me pick Baltimore. Was worried about that. And I don't know. He may after. have, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he. I think he was just fired up after the game. And then there's another thought where everybody was like, "Oh, well, you should have said something to him. Like, you should have like you. That was disrespectful. You should have." I'm like, "What am I like?" Y'all talk about how this man runs like he bites people and runs like he's got silver teeth and like. You think I'm Aaron Ladd, all 5'10 of me, is going to step to Isaiah Pacheco and do what? And do what, Mark Gunnels? So after he knocked it down, did he, like, apologize or did he even realize what happened or he just kept going on about his, his day? <laughs> I actually just found another angle of it, and maybe I'll have to publish that. I don't. Maybe, maybe I'll have to send that to you, but, like, no, just, just went on. And he embraced with Rasheed Rice after that and – uh just continue to talk about, hey, y'all, you know, I think his message in that was like, don't ever talk about doubting us again. Don't ever, you know, like, you know, don't ever mess. I think his, the direct words was don't ever mess me up with anybody. And uh, like, you know, he's a big reason why they're in the game, too. I mean, having a toe injury, that guy is not healthy, like not even close to 100 percent like that. I'm not reporting anything. If you want to aggregate me, go ahead. But like, he's not healthy. He, he, he was banged up last year in the Super Bowl. Damn near. So, like, I think he's a guy that is extremely motivated to prove that, yes, I was drafted in the seventh round, and now I have a chance of getting two rings in my first two years. Yeah, I know we're about to get out of here, but one more question I got to ask you about this experience for you. Yeah. Obviously, the previous three times they won the ace championship game, you were on the field. It was in Arrowhead. Obviously, 78,000 people going crazy. How much different was this one 
Like, it was just so it was so wild to see how fast that stadium emptied out, man. Like it was because I, I don't think I ever like normally like obviously a lot of the fans leave. I've never seen it like that before on TV though. Like normally it'd still be like some of the fans still hanging around from the team that lost just to kind of see what's going on. All the Ravens fans left, like doing doing the Stefan Diggs, doing yeah, the, so the, like yeah. how was that? <laughs> so how was that compared to doing it in Arrowhead, being on the field, being on the field with an empty crowd? I got down to field level with around like five minutes left. Like I saw the end of that Ravens drive, and then of course the entirety of the Chiefs drive. And like I think that there was a lot of hope all the way up through the MVS catch. Once the MVS catch happened, you could feel just the air deflate out of the building, the energy, Mark Donovan and the Chiefs run down, running onto the field. Like it, it, The reality had set in at that point. It was still cool to be in the building for that, man. Like I never take these opportunities for granted. This was one of those things where like you go into the Chiefs locker room after the game and it smells of cigar smoke and you see Chris Jones celebrating his $1 million incentive with a cigar and like, the t-shirts and all that stuff. Like it was, uh, <laughs> it sort of says he was on the field at the Chiefs lost to the Patriots in 2018. This was only my third AFC title game in a row. I know it's only third, but like, I thought it was your fourth. Uh, no, you, this was, so yeah. you didn't, you weren't there for the first one. No, my first chief season was the COVID season, 2020. Oh, okay. 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 Gotcha. 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 Um, and that one, I think I maybe, uh, I don't even know if I – I don't think I was on the field for that one. I was at the Joe Burrow one where they lost. I was at the Joe Burrow one where they won, and then I was at this one. Got you. So, okay, okay. Because, uh, yeah, unique when experience. Lost to, when they lost to the Bengals, it wasn't, like, that empty, was it? Like, <laughs> um, No, I felt like the Chiefs fans kind of stuck around a little bit. There was a lot more Bengals yeah. fans, and I think also, like, the seats – you know, the color scheme kind of plays tricks with you too. Cause like the chiefs red fans on the purple seats, like it was really easy to yeah, see where yeah, they were yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, it was easy yeah. to tell that there was, yeah, but um, no, it was, it was cool. It was a, the, the fans hung around, came down the, the, the chiefs really from young players who had not been there before to young players who had been there before to veteran players, even some of the NFL film sound we've seen, like, it's uh I, I think they're enjoying it, but I think they're also turning the page and, and realizing the job ain't finished. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I know I said I got one more it's the last one, I promise. Jesus last Christ, one. Mark. Golly. I'm doing it for the people, Aaron. I know you gotta get out of here. I know, I know, I know. But we didn't, see, we didn't get to see this on TV. How was the T Paint halftime show? <laughs> it was fine. He was in like a little, he wasn't like, it wasn't like a Jack Harlow thing or anything where he's like in the middle of the field. Like he had like a little, there they have like a touchdown club or something like a booth suite section that he was in and he played the hits bartender, buy you a drink, uh, up down, I think is the name of that song. Uh, like he, it was good, but NFL halftime is like, you know, 13 minutes long. So I mean, it really yeah. wasn't even that long of a set. I'm excited for the Usher halftime show. I'm more excited for the Usher show than I am. I think I was for the Rihanna show last year. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. You know, kid from that kid from the A. That's 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 one of our goats. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm gonna be in Vegas too, so we gotta hang out. Whoa! <laughs> hey, hey, Darren got you the credential. He hooked you up. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk off air. <laughs> Burger, yeah, are, yeah. Are you, no, wait, wait, wait. When do you get oh. in? No, let me let me oh. ask a question. Oh. When do you get in? Uh, I get there on Friday. Next next Friday. Uh, I know you're gonna be there like the whole week. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna come up on the back end. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I'll plan to do the pod from Radio Row or somewhere in a room where we can uh, we can make something happen. I know last year we did the spaces, but let's let's get video going for sure. All right, man. Coast to Coast Boys, episode 75. I'm sorry for my internet. I'm sorry we went a little long. We tried to give y'all. We tried to feed y'all. Voicemails. Chat with us. Reach out to us. Uh, It's going to be a fun week. You did good on the back end, man. Goodbye.
Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premier today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 